Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is The View from the Couch, and this is a special series we are doing to get you ready for the start of the 2020 Major League Baseball series. We're going to call it Breaking Down the Bravos. For the next few days, we are going to focus on the Braves, breaking down all aspects of the team, finishing up at the end of the week right as the Major League Baseball season gets ready to begin with our predictions that are sure to be terribly wrong, but hopefully at least a little bit entertaining. I hope you enjoy not just today's podcast, but all of the podcasts over the next few days. Thank you so much for listening. Keep checking back for the rest of the week. It's going to be a lot of fun and we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to try to get a lot of information in a short amount of time in honor of the 2020 Major League Baseball season that is going to feature 60 games in 64 days. And then we're going to have the playoffs and crown a World Series champion. And all the while, hoping to God that we can actually get the season in and, uh, give coronavirus its first loss of the 2020 year, while at the same time trying to avoid the obvious criticism that a 60-game season isn't really legitimate at all. But we're going to ignore that. We're going to try to stay positive. First episode of Breaking Down the Bravos today, when we come back right after this short break, we're going to talk about the starting pitching for your Atlanta Braves in 2020. So everybody knows in Braves country that it all begins and ends with starting pitching. I, it really doesn't, but that's the uh, the narrative that survived the 90s and uh, into the 2000s with all the success that the franchise had, that it was all built on starting pitching. Well, I think when you look back at those teams and you realize that guys like David Justice and Chipper Jones and Fred McGriff and Andres Galarraga, Gary Sheffield, uh, Javi Lopez, Ryan Klesko, just to name a few, were all a part of all of those successful Braves teams. Uh, you realize that there was a lot more than just starting pitching on those teams. However, the starting pitching was one consistent aspect of those teams when you had three Hall of Famers in and out of the mix for the 14 years that the Braves won all of those uh, National League East, National League West, and National League East divisions. Uh, the pitching was always very, very strong. And over the last few years, as the Braves have worked back towards having a contending team each and every year, you can tell by the way the Braves have drafted and the focus that they have had on compiling and just getting as much starting pitching talent as they possibly can, young starting pitching talent, I need to make that very clear as we get this started, that that is the, the focus and the foundation that this team and this front office has had for the last five years going back to the beginning of the rebuild. So what we have here in 2020 is what I would say it's at least over the last two years, 2018, 2019, the starting pitching was not necessarily, in my opinion, the strongest aspect of the team. You were hoping that the other pieces of the, the team would kind of save the starting pitching where you didn't really have the depth and the really solid, uh, pieces that you needed to be in place. And I think it's very obvious that when we have gotten to the playoffs the last two years, we haven't had the success that we wanted to have because we did not have that front line starting pitching that really matters when it comes to October. Now, last year, obviously, the effort was put in in June to go out and get Dallas Keuchel. He was supposed to be that guy that changed things for the Braves. He, of course, lost game one. Uh, of the division series and was the eventual 
Uh, I don't guess he probably took the loss in game four in St. Louis, but he didn't win that game when we could have closed out the Cardinals in the National League Division Series last year. So the Keuchel experiment didn't work. He parlayed his, let's be honest, very mediocre season in Atlanta, half of a season in Atlanta last year, parlayed that into a big deal with the White Sox. So no Dallas Keuchel. So what we have, and I think we need to kind of give a little bit of context of what the shortened season is going to mean as it relates to the starting pitching. So as I've already said, and if you didn't know, if you've been living under a rock, 60 games, 64 days. So the short season means each starting pitcher may get between 10 and 12 starts. And that's optimal. You know, I, you know, any kind of you miss a start, you pick up a little nagging injury and you miss two weeks, you go on the 10 day DL, you're only going to get seven, eight, nine starts maybe this year. But optimally, if you stay healthy the whole year, between 10 and 12 starts, depending on how things are going in September as the pennant races, uh, I guess, heat up. I, don't, I think it's just going to be hot the whole time. Um, at least in Georgia, it's going to be hot the whole time. Uh, pitch count is going to be kind of a focus early in the season, as it is in every year. You know, you come out in April, you don't see guys going out there throwing nine innings. So they're going to ramp up. They're trying to stretch them out a little bit in simulated games. The Braves have two exhibition games that they've set up next week with the Marlins. On the uh, on the 20th and the 21st, I think those are the dates. Maybe it's 21st, 22nd, to get ready for opening day in New York. Uh, and there's been some talk that the Braves are going to piggyback starters, meaning that you may have Mike Fultonevich start a game with Tuki Toussaint coming in in the fourth or the fifth inning, and so basically having two starting pitchers and then that leading into your bullpen, um, which I think. It, Given kind of some of the circumstances that the Braves and every team in Major League Baseball is going to be dealing with to start this season, I think that's a very interesting idea. So the Braves schedule is very interesting in that it has 20 games in a row with no off days to start the season. So I think that piggybacking concept, especially the first time through the rotation, is really going to give uh, the Braves front office a very good look at what they have and maybe kind of give them an idea of how they want to do things moving forward. So the rosters this year are also going to be a little bit different. So for the first two weeks of the season, you can have 30 active players on your team. Then I think two weeks in, you have to get down to 28. And by the time we roll around towards the end of August, you have to get down to 26, which 26 was supposed to be the new normal this year. They had added one roster spot from the 25 that has traditionally been the number of players that you can have on the roster for the majority of the season. So with that 30, I think you'll see the Braves, at least at the beginning, carry a few extra people, excuse me, a few extra starting pitchers to use this piggybacking technique early in the season. So what does all of that mean? It means that when the Braves go to New York to start the season uh, in a couple of, or I guess in about a week now, you're going to see two starting pitchers pitch on opening day. So Mike Soroka, and we'll get to him in just a minute, has been named the opening day starter. He will probably only pitch three or four innings no matter what happens. No matter how well he's pitching, he will not get the win on opening day because the plan is to limit uh, heavily the starting pitchers and their workload in the first week to two weeks of the season. Um, the interesting thing that roster wise is that every team had to designate 60 players, uh, to create their player pool that they can pull from for this year. So, 
while 30 to start the season, you're going to have 30 active players in Atlanta and then 30 active players in Gwinnett. And those that those guys that aren't in Gwinnett or Atlanta to start the season cannot play at any point for the Braves this year. So uh, that I don't know that that official roster has been fully released. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places. But the point is, especially with this piggybacking earlier in the season, I think you're going to be able to see the Braves run out some young guys It'll be very, very interesting as we get closer to the start of the season and we kind of have an idea of who's going to be pitching on what days. You may really get a sense of where the Braves are with some of these young guys that we're about to talk about. For the first time since 2013, someone not named Julio Tehran will be the opening day starter uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Mike Soroka, the ripe old age of 22 will be the opening day starter when the Braves travel up to New York to start their 2020 season next Friday. Uh, He is the youngest opening day starter in Atlanta Braves history. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you already know about Soroka. He made a couple of starts uh, in the 2018 season, had a little bit of shoulder soreness and was pretty pretty much shut down for the rest of that year. But last year, 13 and four with a 2.6 ERA, an all-star appearance, just a really, really solid season. He's apparently put on a little more bulk in the offseason. As I mean, he's basically still growing up, people. So, I mean, we have to expect that he will continue uh, to stop looking like a teenager and start looking like a full-grown man. But he pitched like a full-grown man last year, and that's what the Braves are concerned with. Uh, Some of the interviews, the quotes that I've seen from him, it seems like he has taken on a different mentality this year. He's talked about being very comfortable with where his, uh, his pitching is right now. Apparently, the Braves starters, a few of them, uh, spent a lot of time at a local high school really working out during the shutdown. So uh, Mike Soroka, uh, maybe a little bit more filled out, maybe a little bit more confident, and then still just as talented as, uh, as we've seen him. He has a very distinctive mound presence for me. I really love his demeanor. I love the way he pitches. I don't know that he will ever be a number one kind of guy. And when I say that, that's not a knock on him. I just don't know that he has that Max Scherzer, you know, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, that top end, and I'm talking about tippy-top end. I'm not talking about good. I'm talking about great. Uh, He's a sinker ball pitcher. He's more of a pitch-to-contact guy, which is not a bad thing. He's very, very good, but I don't think he is the shut-down Jacob deGrom type ace that the Braves can just roll out there in game one of any playoff series and feel like, hey, our guy's better than your guy. If both guys pitch their best, we're going to win. Not sure he's there yet, and I really don't know if that's his ceiling. I think he might be a really, really solid 1A or number two guy. Max Freed is uh, another guy that's going to be featured in the rotation this year. Last year, 17-6, and higher ERA, 4.02. He really came on the second half. He pitched very, very well going into the playoffs. It really felt like he was the Braves' best pitcher. The injury that the Braves suffered to Chris Martin kind of moved free to the bullpen where he had been uh, used more in the 2017 and 2018 season, but he really came into his own as a starter last year. And I think the expectations are very, very high for Max Free going into this year. Uh, The only other guy that I think you can pretty much slot for sure into the starting rotation, Mike Fulton-Evich, 
Last year, not his best. Eight and six with a 4.54 ERA. He, he, he didn't even start playing until, I believe it was May. He missed a big portion of the season. Uh, he, he picked up an injury in spring training. Uh, and then he just wasn't mentally ready for the season. He, he seemed to struggle with his confidence over the offseason. If you'll remember, uh, in game one of the 2018 division series against the Dodgers, he got completely blown up early in that game. And then he ended up getting blown up in the final game, that 10-run first inning game against the Cardinals in game five last year in the divisional series. So, Fulton Evich, I think you can slot him in. The Braves hope that 2020 looks a little bit more, you know, numbers-wise, like 2018 rather than 2019. 2018, Fulton Evich was an all-star, 13-10, and 2.85 ERA, and he pitched 180 innings that year. He will not pitch 180 innings this year. That is my, you can take that to the bank. Uh, not going to have 180 innings out of any Braves starter uh, this year. But, um, so those are the three guys that, as you look at this starting rotation, those are the three we know, which logically leaves, okay, there's two more spots. Now, we'll get to it in a minute, but one thing that did happen is the Braves took a flyer on Felix Hernandez. Uh, King Felix, who had been a dominant starting pitcher for many, many years with the Seattle Mariners, uh, Hernandez announced last week that he is going to forego this season. He is going to sit out uh, for – just concerns for COVID, I guess. Uh, he wasn't very, very clear about why he was sitting out. But at this point in his career, uh, I guess he has made plenty of money and he didn't feel like it was worth risking his health for an abbreviated season to maybe be a fifth starter for the Braves. So with Felix Hernandez out of the picture, where does that leave us? We'll start with Sean Newcomb. He was 6-3 and three last year, 3.16 ERA which was good. Most of his good work actually came in the bullpen after he came back up from being sent down to Gwinnett. Uh, I had, to the time, to the point in last season when this happened, I had never heard Brian Snicker be so critical openly of a player as he was of Sean Newcomb early last year. It was like late April, early May. Newcomb had had a few starts. He just wasn't being aggressive. He's got really good stuff, but he was nibbling around the edges. He just he he didn't seem to have the mentality that he needed to have going out there and attacking uh, with his very good pitch arsenal that he has. He was just kind of dinking and dunking. And I, I the only thing I can surmise is that they had talked to him about it, and he just could not get past it. So they sent him down. When he did come back up, I don't think he made any starts for the rest of the season, but he was very good out of the bullpen. So the talk coming into this year was that the Braves were going to roll Newcomb out again, stretch him out in spring training 1.0, and uh, give him a shot to make the starting rotation. I think I really like Newcomb. I always have liked Newcomb. I feel like he is a starter more than a reliever. Obviously, he did a good job in the pen last year, so if that's where he ends up this year, uh, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Braves, but the Braves did a lot to bolster their bullpen, which we'll talk about in the next couple of days. So I think for Sean Newcomb, if he wants to see significant innings this year, it's going to have to be as a starter. And I do believe that will be his role moving forward because, the, as I said, the Braves have pretty much loaded up in the bullpen. After Newcomb, let's talk about a few other guys. Kyle Wright. So he was a first-round pick uh, out of Vanderbilt. Nothing impressive last year. 0-3 in 2019. He made a few starts. If you remember, 
Julio started the first game last year, and then you had uh, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson both make starts after that. Uh, they've never really factored into the rotation long term. It was more just about guys that had picked up some injuries at the beginning of last season. And, you know, you, you go into the season, everybody's excited, and then all of a sudden you have two or three guys that aren't ready to go on opening day, and they all happen to be starting pitchers. So that was an issue last year. But Kyle Wright, highly rated, highly thought of in the Brave system, so maybe he's the guy or one of the guys that steps in. Tuki Toussaint is one of my favorites. He's got that wicked curveball. He was 4-0 last year, but a 5.62 ERA. Had some problems with control. Um, didn't factor in a whole lot. Got a little injured towards the end of the year, and I don't even think he was on the uh, the postseason roster. But, again, Tuki, another guy. That I heard about him a couple years ago. I mean, we all heard about him a couple years ago, but he's a guy they talk about with spin rate, one of the highest spin rates, if not the highest spin rate in Major League Baseball on that curveball. Uh, so if, if Tukey can continue to progress, maybe he can slot in as that fourth or fifth starter. I mentioned Bryce Wilson uh, a second ago over the last two seasons, 13-7, uh, 3.71 ERA in the minors. Um, but not very successful in the couple of starts that he had uh, with the Major League Club last year. The other guy that we have heard, a, na a name you probably have heard a lot about, and it's, it's, it's another one of these prospects, the former first-round pick of the Braves in 2016, 21-year-old Ian Anderson. He uh, started the minor league all-star game last year, and he is a very highly rated prospect. And he may be the guy that – really benefits the most from this piggybacking at the early part of the season. If you had to just have a traditional roster, go out there and work through the first couple of turns in the rotation the way a season would normally start in late March or early April, Ian Anderson's not going to be on a major league team. But with the expanded rosters going to 30 to start the year, I would be surprised if the Braves don't at least give Ian Anderson a spot to come in and be one of those second starting pitchers that come in in any single game. And the reason is because they really don't have anything to lose. I've run through all these names because we have three guys in the starting rotation you feel good about, and then you have two spots that you need to have filled. Without a minor league baseball season this year, even if you're playing simulated games and doing the things that they're going to be doing in Gwinnett to try to stay sharp, this is a lost season for Ian Anderson if he's not on the major league club. So for the first two weeks, especially while the rosters are expanded, I would expect the Braves to give Ian Anderson a couple shots to see if maybe he can contribute on some level to this 2020 season. Now, if only the Braves would have gone out in this offseason, knowing how good the team was coming back, knowing you were losing Keuchel because you weren't going to sign him to a long-term deal for big money, if only the Braves would have gone out and signed somebody that could come in and be an ace. You know, maybe somebody that was like, I don't know, a four-time All-Star and an NLCS and World Series MVP who won a World Series. Uh, why, why didn't we go out and get a guy like that? Well, we did. The problem is the guy like that we got wasn't a guy that's been, you know, a World Series MVP in this decade. We went and got somebody by the name of Cole Hamels who – the last time he had a significant season was 2016. And as, as, as far away and as long as this year has been, 2016 seems like a very, very long time ago. So Cole Hamels last year with the Cubs, 7-7, 3.81 uh, ERA, 
not terrible, not great, uh, but I don't know what his pro-rated salary over 60 games was, but we signed him one year, $18 million for Cole Hamels. So obviously the Braves were betting on young pitching this year. They they feel good about their top three, even though for me, the psyche of Fulton is still a question mark. And I can't think that the Braves could really be confident in that they know what they have with Soroka and Freed. But rather than going out and taking a run at one of the elite starting pitchers, I mean, <laughs> Jeremy Timmerman is going to be really hot just hearing this, but we weren't in on Garrett Cole. <laughs> we weren't in on Steven Strasburg. You know, I know a lot of people were hoping that the Braves would get in on Madison Baumgartner. We weren't in on him. We weren't in on uh, Ryu, the former Dodger pitcher that's now in uh, Toronto. We just weren't in on a lot of these guys. There was some talk about maybe being on, on Wheeler, the, the pitcher from the Mets. None of that happened. The Braves, instead of going and getting a guy that was either young and maybe a little cheap because they struggled like Zach Wheeler would have been, or older but has been effective like Ryu or Bumgardner, if you weren't going to spend top dollar, it's at least spend money on guys that, that had an upside. What you were hoping that you would get in Cole Hamels is a guy that you could get, come in, and I'm shaking my head as I even say this. You know, add some add some value to the locker room. Now, you're going to hear me talk a lot about the locker room over the next few days, and I'm going to be pretty blunt about some opinions that I have when it comes to the Braves' perception of how important the locker room is. But let's start with the fact that if you sign a guy for one year and $18 million, you're not bringing him in to be the bench coach or the assistant pitching coach. You need that guy to be able to go out and play. Now, back in March, we were hearing that Cole Hamels was having some arm injury or issues. He wasn't in spring training to start with. He was going to be there a few weeks late. And then he was about to show up, and then the shutdown happened. And the talk was maybe he doesn't actually get on the field until late April or even May when the season was supposed to start in late March. Well, now here we are four months later, the world has been shut down. Everything about our lives has changed, but one thing remains consistent. And that's that Cole Hamels is not ready to play baseball. Now, if you didn't sign this guy one year, $18 million to be able to pitch for six months, how in the world are we now in late July and this man can't even be ready to pitch in a shortened 60-game season? So the Braves went out and spent a lot of money, of course, because of everything that's happened. They're not going to end up paying Cole Hamels nearly as much money as they would have been paying him. But when you think about how much money the Braves are playing, Max Freed or Mike Soroka or Mike fulton or really anybody else on this roster, not named Freddie Freeman, when you think about what they will be paying Cole Hamels in relation to those guys, it's still highly frustrating that the Braves, coming off two division championships, went out and tried to catch flyers on Felix Hernandez and Cole Hamels instead of going out and getting a guy that could have come in and been a solid third starter or fourth starter on this team. So rather than having an experienced, solid guy and in my head, I don't know why, but I'm thinking about Anibal Sanchez from a few years ago. You know, go out and get somebody that's decent. Is he going to be the Cy Young winner? Probably not. But at least go out and get somebody you feel like you can depend on. 
But the Braves weren't willing to do that. Instead, they did what they did last year with Josh Donaldson. That worked out. The Cole Hamill situation has not worked out. He's still not ready. At this point, he is going to be my pick for 2020 to be the Darren O'Day of the 2020 Braves, which means he is a name, but does he actually exist? Because I'm not 100% sure. I'm not even 10% sure that we're going to actually see Cole Hamill's pitch for the Atlanta Braves. He may do a great Mike Hampton impression sitting there in the dugout while cashing a paycheck, but I will be shocked if Cole Hamels does anything worthwhile for the Braves this year. The last name that I'm going to give you and the last guy we're going to talk about is a name that until like two days ago I had not heard of. Tucker Davidson, 24-year-old. He was a 19, 19th round pick for the Braves in 2016. Last year at Gwinnett and Mississippi combined 8-7 and seven with a 2.15 ERA. You might be thinking, that sounds like just another guy. Well, Apparently, the Braves and Brian Snicker have been very impressed with Davidson, and there is a good chance, if not at this point, a solid chance or almost guaranteed chance that this is going to be one of the guys we see early in the season in the piggyback formation, and they really, really like him. I have not seen him pitch. I know nothing about him, but as I was doing my research, I came across his name, and I did find one statistic from him that I think is highly intriguing for Braves fans. In last year, in the minor leagues, 134 strikeouts in 129 innings. Even if you're not a math major, you can tell that that's an average of about a strikeout an inning. And in the modern day game, strikeouts are a huge, huge part of the game. And if he can go out there and make guys swing and miss, we could see Tucker Davidson play some significant role for the 2020 Atlanta Braves. I want to kind of put a bow on our preview of the Braves pitching, our starting pitching in 2020. I think what you have for me is a combination of hope and I think legitimate hope when it comes to some of these young guys. I like Mike fulton -Evich. I think he's a solid guy. He's, he's never going to be the guy. But Fulte's good. I like where Freed's going, and I really like Soroka. So I think the Braves have a solid foundation for their starting pitching staff. I think – it's hard to combine that with the other emotion that I feel, which is just pure and unbridled fury at the fact that with this team and everything this team has offensively and everything this team has in the bullpen, that we didn't go out and get somebody else to make this pitching staff at least four deep. And then you have 10 guys or so, it seems, fighting for one spot. Now we've got about six guys fighting for two spots. And that increases the odds that we're going to have to just kind of suffer through uh, some mediocre starting pitching, which is just an absolute shame when you think about the rest of this team. And when we break down this team over the next few days, I wanted to start with the starting pitching because I think even in a 16-game season, we're rolling the dice with these starters. Now, everything could come up snake eyes for the Braves, and it could all be good and everything work out. And two of these guys, whether it be Tukey and Newcomb, whether, you know, Hamels is resurrected and he actually comes in and does something worthwhile, or whether the Braves find a 19th round guy from 2016 in Tucker Davidson that steps up and becomes a name that we'll know for five, ten years in this Braves starting rotation. It could all work out, and that is the benefit for what the Braves have done over the past few years, stockpiling all of this young talent. But for me, 
I think you could also get to the end of this year and, and say, man, we, we got some good starts out of our guys, but if we had that guy. And the one thing that is the same in this season that will be like no other is that when the end of September and early October rolls around, the playoffs are exactly the same as they've ever been. If the Braves win the division, they'll go straight to the divisional round of the playoffs and they'll be in a five-game series with a team like the Dodgers or the Cardinals or the – I don't know who else. That's probably about it. But when you get in those series or if you get to the LCS and you end up playing somebody like the Nationals, who's our guy? Are we really ready to say Mike Soroka, Mike, Mike Soroka Max Freed? and Mike Fulton-Evich are ready to line up against Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. Do we feel like that is a rotation in the playoffs that can win? This rotation was built for the long haul. This rotation was built for 162 games, 102 of which are not going to be played. So now the Braves have a lot of potential and a short amount of time to figure it out but when it rolls around October, if the Braves are able to sprint their way into the playoffs, we're going to be exactly where we were in 2018 and exactly where we were in 2019, which is a very talented team that probably just doesn't have the starting pitching to get over the hump. I hope I am wrong. We'll talk about predictions later. But to me, when I look at this entire team, I think it's very fair to say that this team's potential is going to be limited, not by the offense, the bullpen or even the manager, but this team's potential will be limited by its starting pitching more than any other thing. And at some point, the Braves are going to have to go out and get one of those guys that we say from day one, that's the guy that starts game one of the playoffs. And we know that that's a W because our guy is better than your guy. Thank you so much for listening to the first Uh, podcast in this series as we break down the Bravos in 2020. I hope you'll check back tomorrow as we break down the Bravos bullpen, and we'll have a little bit more positivity on that podcast, I promise you. Until then, thank you so much, and chop on.